Oh, I forgot we had a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm in charge of that, and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I am still Barry Liga, <laughs> and with me, despite despite the massive hiatus, is my wife and my co-host, Morgan Baden. Hi, babe. How long has it been? Years. <laughs> Years. It's been, listen, I remember distinctly, it was sometime in the fall, and we were talking about how it was almost our 100th episode. And it would be very soon. Mm-hmm. And we had all these big plans. Here we are with episode 94, and it oh is February gosh. of 2018. We are deeply, deeply sorry for the uh, the extended break. It was unanticipated. Uh, you know, we, uh, th- the other day, a doctor, one of the pediatricians said to us, oh, You have two kids in daycare and it's winter. You're just going to be sick all the time. Yeah. And that's basically what it's boiled down to. Basically October to May. Yeah. It just kind of sucks. Um, But apparently, you know, either we're sick or the kids are sick or all of the above. And this is uh, one of those rare moments where we are both healthy and awake. And so we said, let's do a podcast. And also the Super Bowl's on and nothing of us cares about it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's that helps too. The fact that there's really nothing to watch on TV we right like, now. We were like, do we want to watch the Super Bowl or do we want to record a podcast? And, and here we are. This tells us everything you need to know about our priorities, <laughs> dear listener. Uh, I do usually watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, usually, I actually usually do. I usually watch two sporting events a year. I watch the Super Bowl and I watch the Yale Harvard football game. That's right. And this year I missed both of them. Yes. So that's okay though. Uh, so we are back again. We're very sorry. And, you know, I was thinking about adding to the, the graphic for this show, the, the phrase an occasional podcast, (laughs) because that's what it's starting to feel like. We, we really do have the best of intentions. We do intend to do this bi-weekly, but sometimes man, the real world just slams us. And it's so funny because I think I get so annoyed when my favorite podcasts skip an episode. Oh, sure. Yeah. But the difference is like. The podcasts I listen to, at least, the ones that I enjoy, yeah. I, I can't speak for yours. The podcasts I listen to are ad-supported, and oh, the yeah. people making them are, are making money. It's yeah. a business. And so, yeah, I get annoyed because this is your job. Yeah. Like, you're making money at this. Um, if we were being paid to oh, do this, this would be a whole different story. This would be a whole different yeah. story. Um, but we're not. We do this because we enjoy doing it. Uh, I do want to say, as a brief bit of follow-up from 10 years ago when we last recorded... Uh, we now have a teenager. We now have a teenager, yeah, exactly. Our oldest is going to college. No, uh, I, I complained tongue-in-cheek last time that, that nobody cared about the fact that I have been having chronic health issues oh, yes. that, that was slowing us down for a while, and I, I had a little mini uh, sarcastic rant about that. And I will say that shortly thereafter, I got a very lovely tweet from a listener saying, I'm so sorry you're not feeling well. I hope you get better. And it made it, it did make Aww. my day. It was very sweet of her. Uh, and she's from the United Arab Emirates, Ooh. which I did not know we had listeners I know. in the Middle East. And Listen, we're global. Uh, well, you know, we knew we had some folks in Scandinavia, uh-huh. and we knew we had some folks in England, and now we got, like, mm-hmm. this is a global podcast, people. Um, <laughs> you know, you should take it seriously, even if we don't. <laughs> so... Let's go ahead and, and let's jump right in. So much happened. Where did we I, I even had, start? I had such a list of things. Like the whole time we weren't podcasting, yeah. I was still collecting Me too. subject topics. Yeah. And so much happened. And now I feel like a lot of it 
is is just you know it's water under the bridge yeah. at this point. There's no point talking about. It. There was an interesting article about you know the Me Too moment and children's publishing. Right. I feel like. People have already it's talked done, about that. Yeah. What's the point of talking about yeah. it? Uh, if something dramatic happens, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll jump in. Um, but that stuff that that stuff all happens. So, uh, you know, hopefully, the the stuff we'll talk about now is is a little more uh, evergreen. Um, so, uh, first of all, a quick a quick update. I still can't talk about any of my projects. I know that's crazy. It's really frustrating. I am hoping, I am hoping that the, basically there are three projects right now that I can't talk about. Um, the contract on two of them should be done soon, and then I can talk about them. The contract on the third one has been done for a long time. Ironically, I still can't talk about that one because I'm under NDA, right. and they will take our children away if right. I say anything. Right. So that's very frustrating, and I don't do this as a tease. Like I hate when I really I hate when I'm on Twitter and somebody goes, "I have great news, but I can't tell you," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Then shut up." Um, so I just. Yeah, we, we'll tell people as soon as we can. But you're doing it anyway. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, because honestly, I thought we had teased it earlier because I thought by now we'd right. be able to no, talk about sure. it. Yeah. I remember in July, I was like, this will be ready to talk about by September. Yeah, right. And you were like, no, it'll be more like December or January. And now yeah. here we are. In here we are in February. Yeah. I know. I know. Listen, publishing is slow. Publishing is slow. Remember, remember my rule. Mm-hmm. Everything in publishing takes three times longer than you think it should. Yes. And if you multiply by three, it's going to take three times longer than that. Yeah. So don't even bother. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some stuff. Okay. So there was an article in the uh, the New York Times. Uh, so I sent this to you. A print publication um, that, that still exists. Yes, you sent this to me. It was it was January nineteenth, so it's not that late. No, it's not yeah. you know it hasn't Couple begun to rot or corrode. Yeah. It's a few weeks late at this point, and it's it was headlined: "Your book editor just snagged your spot on the bestseller list," <laughs> which is a really juicy, provocative headline. Yeah. Um, sadly, the article is not juicy and provocative. No, it did not live up to the the t- what but was promised from the, the title. The article the article is about uh, an author uh, who is also an editor named Daniel Mallory. Uh, and he was an editor, and then he wrote a book called The Woman in the Window, which uh, has gotten a lot of attention. And it was written under the pseudonym A.J. Finn, which is a nicely gender-neutral pseudonym, uh, no doubt so that people will think that, like, say, Gillian Flynn, yeah. uh, you know, th- this is a female psychological thriller written by a woman. Which I actually believe we talked we about We did talk about that. Phenomenal. We talked about that in yeah. a previous episode. Mm-hmm. We will put a link in the show notes for those of you who can't remember back that far. We don't blame you. Um <laughs> The, uh, the the interesting thing about this, you know, I thought this was going to be about the phenomenon of the, the fact that in publishing, you have a lot of people who are getting a paycheck from, from a publishing house and also publishing Writing themselves yeah. on the side. Um, and I thought it was going to be about that and sort of about the tension where, you know, maybe authors are wondering, does my editor have my best interest right. at heart? And, you know, the headline of just took your spot yeah. on the bestseller list, uh, you know, I, I could see, like, if you were one of Daniel Mallory's authors... And yeah. you, writing something writing similar, s- or or yeah, something similar or something Same like that, genre, and, whatever, and, yeah. and just going, oh, like he got on the bestseller list and I didn't. Yeah. Like it's his job to get me on the bestseller right. list. Yeah. Um. I and I think that would be an interesting thing to talk about. That's not what this it's article what is about. about. It was really just a profile. It was of just him. a profile of this guy. And um, you know, mazel to this guy. Sure. It sounds like he worked really hard on this book, and and I have, I, I realize I should say I have zero against him. No, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that's all fine. But I think we should talk about this topic we since they did not. Yeah. Since the New York Times fell down on the job <laughs> as they have so often since the election. Um, since the election. Before the election. Yeah. So, let's talk about yeah. about this topic. How do you feel about? 
about people who who ostensibly are they're getting a paycheck, they're getting a salary mm-hmm. to make you a superstar. You, Ms. Well, freelance author. I'm gonna quibble with you there. Sure. It's not to make an editor's job isn't to make their cl- their author a superstar. It's to help the author form the best book they can form. That's true. See, there's there's a, a perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, I it it is there is a tension. You used that word before. I think that's the only word I can use to place the emotion that I have yeah. when I think about the fact that there are editors out there. You know, there are picture book editors who also write picture books. Right. There are YA editors who also write YA. Yep. And it is a really, I actually kind of want to interview one of them. Yeah. It, it Again, like, I can't find it in me to to say this is wrong. Right. And there should be some sort of firewall. Sure. There should be something like that. Right. I, I, I can't find it in me to, to say that. But it's just... There is a tension. There's it's a, a little tension. weird. In now, a way, it becomes... 99% of my editors have not also been writers. Uh-huh. But I do remember, like, querying agents at one point in my misbegotten past. Uh-huh. And, and you know, getting a rejection. And then, like, you know, six months later, I realized I was on their email list and getting an email mm. about, you know, hey, book. I've got a book yeah. out. You should go buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> in a way, it feels like I think I would feel competitive with my editor. Yeah. And that's not a feeling you want to have as an right. author. So, especially like as a debut author, if my editor were also a YA novelist, let's right. say, like I would definitely feel this strange competition that I don't think would sit well with me. And it also feels different if the editor is sort of massively successful yes. as an author. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, in a way, and I know this isn't true. I work in publishing. Yeah. Believe me, listeners. This is not true, but it does feel like the editor would have some kind of insider knowledge right. that um, would leave me at a disadvantage. Right. So, again, I know that's not true. Well, no, but I mean, to a degree, there there is a degree of truth to it, but I, I – of the sort that would get you on a bestseller list, yes, for example. exactly. But I mean, editors – I mean, you know, as a newbie author – you know, especially if you, unlike you, who works in publishing and, you know, has published books before, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're new, you don't understand a lot of the ins and outs. You don't understand, yeah. oh, wait, you're taking this to a marketing meeting. Yeah. Why? What's yeah. that all about? What's your, what sales conference? What's that? I yeah. remember, I remember with my very first book, um, my editor saying, oh, you know, we're, we're taking your book to sales conference, right. you know, to, to pitch it to the sales guys, blah, blah, blah. And being very naive and being new and wanting to do whatever I could to help. I said, Oh, like if you like, I'd be happy to come, right, you know, like yeah. if that helps at all, you know, to, to come to this conference, like I'll fly myself right, there. Yeah. Yeah, my, and she's like, Oh my God, no, stay That's the hell away. Yeah. yeah. And, but you know, I, no, you know, course, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I feel like the editor, you know, somebody who is steeped in the industry already knows, Oh, like this person is really important. This person, not so much. I'll be nicer to this person. You know, I mean, I met a lot of people when my first book was coming out. I didn't know which ones were quote unquote important, which ones were going to be able to sort of steer my career. And you meet so many people, you can't be great to all of them. You know, like there's just so many people. Uh, It's like, who are you supposed to be the goal? But sure. Well, of course, of course. But, but how many of them should you follow up with 
email. Right. You know, yeah, how many yeah. of them should you drop a line and say, it was great to meet you? Yeah. You know, are there people you should be sending gift baskets to at Christmas? Oh you know, because there were people who said to me, oh, I always make sure I send, you know, chocolates to the sales team at Christmas. And I'm what? like, I'm like, really? And I'm like, oh God, I didn't do that. Like, am I horrible? Like, do they not like me? Right. But I'm just saying. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the things. That's crazy. These are things that people talk about. Here's a question. Yeah. I know literary agents who are also authors. Yeah. Like like I was saying before. Is that, do you feel the same tension there? Because I don't. (sighs) And I'm trying to parse out in my head why I don't. I mean, it's a, it, it feels a little bit different because a lot of literary agents are not um are not working for a paycheck yeah, yeah. you know they like they're still, not salaried right yeah. they st- you know like an editor is getting a salary no matter what right and so no matter how crap of a job they do on your book right 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 and so if they decide to take a week off here or there yeah. mysteriously to work on their book or if you need them but they're on book tour yeah they're still getting paid yeah the aid, I mean, there are agencies that pay a salary plus commission, but most agents make most of their money by commission. Yeah. They have a really vested interest in selling your book right. for as much as possible. Yeah. I think I would feel strange about it if my agent were directly competitive with me. Sure. Because, and it's weird because I don't feel that way about the editors. With the editors, like if my editor was writing adult fiction and I was writing YA, it would still be like, no, you're supposed to be focused on my uh, book, not your book. Yeah. Um, with the agent, I would, if the agent was writing adult fiction and I was writing YA, I'd be like, all right, we're not competing with each other. Yeah. But if we were both writing YA, I'll be like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, know all the people to send stuff to, are you giving me the best presentation or are you favoring your own work? Yeah. Which I think is a very human thing to wonder. Um, so that's how I would feel about that. My agent does not write at all. So that's not an issue. And as I mentioned before, Almost unless they're doing it under pseudonyms, I don't know about it. None of my editors, right? Um, yeah, I don't think are so. are writing stuff. So I haven't had to deal with this directly. But it is, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, when you go to the doctor, the doctor's not also moonlighting as something else that competes with you as a pharma rep. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, you know, and and. Yeah, and you know, or you know, yeah, you go into the hospital, and the doctor is like, you know, oh well, I was going to operate, but because I also make a living selling these gadgets that help you, or you're know, selling crystals that will clear up your breathing, I'll I just sell you those instead. Crystals into this. <laughs> crystals, everybody, they're just crystals. <laughs> so yeah, it's, and again, I feel like the more successful the editor is, the weirder I would feel about totally. it. Like this yeah. guy. You know, he he got a two million dollar two book offer, yeah. uh, an immediate film deal, and sold the book in to thirty seven international publishers right Jeez. off the bat. Yeah, like if I were one of his oh yeah writers, I would, I would be like, be like, uh, like congratulations, yeah. but yeah. where's the secret sauce for me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and again, that's not an entirely fair thing, but I think it's very human. I think thing. it's very human, and also I do think it's fair. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right, but I think it's a fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. We want to know what you guys think because because maybe we're completely wrong here, but I don't think so. We're not. Wow. Confident. <laughs> I like it. Let's move on. There was an article uh, earlier in January. We're st- we're in 2018 still. So That's this is good. good. Yeah. Called "If It Wasn't for My Corporate Office Job, I Couldn't Be a Novelist." Yes. Yeah, so you sent this to me. Yes. Aptly. 
Because you have a corporate office job. I have a corporate office job. And um, obviously I read it with interest. And the, the premise of the article here, it's by Jillian Meadoff. Madoff, Madoff. It was Madoff. on Literary Hub. We'll we'll put a link in the show yeah. notes as always. Um, is a management consultant. She is, and she's also an author. Yes. Now, management consultant is a high stakes, busy job. Yeah. And basically, she outlines how the fact that that's what she has to do during the day is what makes her um success also successful as a novelist. Right. Uh, I agree with this. <laughs> I just want to, like, it's something I've thought about a lot. And you and I have had a lot of conversations about this. Yeah. That, I mean, first of all, just generally speaking, having a career that is, her career is not even literary. Right. Right. My career is literary, literary in the sense that I work for a publisher, but it's writing based, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a communications person and have been my entire career. And I'll tell you, number one, it taught me how to write to deadline. Yeah. Which is a huge skill that is very needed. Um, number two, it taught me how to write even when I didn't want to write. Yeah. Number three, it taught me how to write on a topic even when I couldn't find my in into right. the topic. You know, sometimes I have to write speeches. Sometimes I have to write memos that yeah. come from the voice of someone else. And, I, like, I'll try and try and try to find my way in to a piece of communications that needs to to be readable and engaging and whatever. And like, I'll be ready to throw it out. And if it were my own work, yeah, I would, I would just stop and be like, I'll, I'll deal with this tomorrow. When I, when the muse strikes me or, or something right. like that, I don't have that luxury with a corporate job. Yeah. So I've learned a lot of really valuable lessons from that. Um, but on the flip side, <laughs> I'm also very tired. <laughs> right. And yeah, you I feel sometimes I feel like there's only so many words you can write per day. And if if I use them all up at work, then I'm screwed. I noticed one thing you didn't mention that you learned. Sure. Was how to revise yourself. Oh, that's. Uh, would you include that? I would in, include that. Yeah. Because absolutely. I I feel like a lot of what you mentioned is what I learned what, back in the days when I worked at a desk. Right. You yes. know, I learned how to deadline. write to deadline. Yeah. Um, you know how to to write no matter how I felt, all that sort of thing. But, you know, I was finding more and more that after sitting at a desk for nine hours a day writing, I did not want to come home and sit yeah. at a desk and write. Um, and we've talked I would about point that. out, though, that, you know, as I think I've said to you, you've learned those things. I, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, I've absolutely learned those and, 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 I mean, it, it's sort of something of a joke around the house that I'm always trying to talk you into quitting your job. It, it but the fact of the matter is you like your job. Unlike I the do. situation I was in where right. I, I genuinely yeah. did not like my job. Right. I learned quite a bit from it, but I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah. You like yours. So yeah. it's, a, it's a different situation. It's different. But I will say my most recent lesson has been I have to get – my personal words out first thing in the morning right otherwise otherwise you can't i do don't it. do them yep so like and i've seen other writers with day jobs say that before like yeah. they wake up early yada yada i'm not into the waking up early part but i do it on my commute into the city i mean you've got a built-in bit of time exactly yeah. like so i have to make use of it right and it is 100 percent true that i seem to have trained myself to get my best words out first thing in the morning which means they're my personal writing words, right. not my corporate writing words. Yep. Um, but it's funny because I did not used to do that. Like when I was doing all the ghost writing, I would put in a full day, full days of work, come home, have dinner, and then at like eight p.m. sit down and write until eleven. Yeah. 
my God. You had, I'm, you I had, had, I know, you had I no children. I had no children, no husband. The husband's holding you down. That's, <laughs> you got to get rid of that guy. Uh, but it is so funny how like you had to, I had to train myself to yeah. do that differently. But. And it's interesting. She, she talks about, I mean, part of what she talks about in this article is that her corporate job gives her the financial freedom yes. to not feel pressure yes. in her writing, which I completely, I, I, I empathize with that. I understand yeah. that. I mean, there are times where I'm like, I mean, I'm in a situation right now yeah. where people may have seen me tweet this. By March 1st of this year, I will have written five books in 13 months. Which is I'm insane. Like, uh, unspeakable. It's absolutely insane and i mean you know no no bs no no hyperbole here like it has had an effect on my health yes on my my emotional health my yeah. outlook i mean it is really it has taken a massive toll yeah. and we had a very serious talk one day about how i i can't let that happen again yeah um and i'm enjoying all of these projects yeah. um but i might have turned one of them down right. if it weren't for the fact that i was like oh it's money. Like, this is what I do. Right. I make money. This is the only way I make money. Um, you know, she talks about how with her first book, she got a really good good deal, a really good advance, um, sold some uh, foreign rights, I believe, uh, had a movie option right away, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. They made a good amount of money, and her, her either her agent or a friend of hers, I can't remember which, looked at her and said, you just made as much from this writing this one book as you make it an entire year at your job. Why don't you quit your job? Yeah. And she said, no, like, that would be crazy. And sure enough, her second book, she didn't get yeah. nearly as much. And you know? it took a long time. And it took a long time to write. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue it wouldn't have taken as long if she wasn't sure. working. But, but the fact of the matter is she did not get as much money. Yeah. So it was very smart of her in that case mm -hmm. to, to keep that job because it kept her afloat and she didn't have to worry about, oh, my God, the second book didn't sell for as much. I better double down and crank yeah. out a third book yesterday yeah. so that I can make up for that. So I, I understand that and, and I'm sympathetic to that to that point of view. I mean there are times where I'm like, wow, I wish I wish there was something that just gave me a steady paycheck. Well you know? and we've talked about this before too, the idea of like a publishing house putting some authors on staff. Yeah, yes. yeah, which is which we've talked about that extensively. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to those old episodes. Um, which is such an intriguing it's idea. It's such an intriguing idea. I have so many questions about that. I'm not like this isn't me like begging a publisher to do that no, with me. No, it's so interesting. But I would love to have that offered to me just so I could see the details right. of it. Yeah. Like even if it didn't work out, yeah. I am just dying to see what that kind of a deal looks like and how it's structured. Um, that just absolutely fascinates me. So, so speaking of publishing houses, I have a yes. pop quiz for you. Twelve. <laughs> so there's been some news recently of some well-known authors starting their own imprints. Yeah. Yeah. So Kwame Alexander. Kwame has Alexander has one called Versify. Rick Riordan, Rick right? Rick Riordan has one. Yeah. Um. So you were telling me about Rick's, which I hadn't heard about. Yeah. Which is uh folklore. It's all about mythology. myth. And, it's about myth and folklore, and the idea. Apparently, the 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 core premise is that he wants people to write about. Um. I. I I feel weird saying there because nobody owns folklore and mythology, but sort of uh the, their cultures their, own. their cultures. Folklore and mythology. So, in other words, like I'm not going to write about the Norse gods because right. I'm about as as Norse as Nordic. a Jewish kid can get. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I could write about the Kabbalah, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that, yeah. That, that's the basic Which idea. Which is super yeah. cool. 
But I was just sitting here thinking. It's a good opportunity for authors of color. Exactly. Really. Yeah, a, yeah. a lot of for a lot of groups that have been marginalized uh, in, in publishing. So if you were to start your own imprint, what would it be? <sighs> Not a name, but like, what would you focus yeah, on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know what mine would be. What would yours be? Um, books that are rewrite ex- Edith Wharton. <laughs> no, um, books that are exclusively about twins. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I would have a rule, um, that we wouldn't publish books that are, uh, retellings okay. of things. Uh, I don't have, a, I don't have a problem with that, but I do feel like I see a lot of it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had, I remember there was a time many years ago where I was working on a, a fantasy series that I wanted to do. It was a big, ambitious, crazy, it was going to be like a dozen books. Um, which is nuts because I'm not big enough for a publisher to say, sure, we'll publish a dozen books. Um, but, but, but that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, and I remember at the time I was working on it, I was on a panel somewhere and, uh, some kids said, oh, you know, what are you all working on next? We went down the line and I said, oh, I'm working on this fantasy series. And, uh, and then the next question, the kid was like, oh, you know, are there going to be dragons in your, or vampires in your fantasy series? And the answer is no. And, and and I just I guess I was feeling snarky that day or whatever. I said no. I'm coming up with new things. Oh, it's fantasy. Like it's supposed right. to be about the imagination. Yeah. And it's true. Like this fantasy series had no right, none right. of the traditional yeah. monsters or beings or demons or anything like that. Um, and and it just occurred to me that you know, so there's a lot of stuff out there that's here's my take on vampires. Here's yeah. my take on werewolves. Sure. Here's my. It's like. I think one of the rules my imprint would have is no, make up something new. Ah. Let's give some, let's, you know, people were afraid of. Is there of, anything new? Well, that's what we would find out. Yeah. I mean, people were afraid of werewolves hundreds of years ago because they didn't understand psychology. Right. So when, you know, Jeb down the street went crazy and killed people <laughs> and chewed up their bodies, they figured he must have turned into a wolf. It's Jeb, like, no. Jeb, exclamation point. Jeb, exclamation point. No, he just went crazy. Um, it's like, let's come up with new things that, that sure. scare people or thrill people or excite people. Um, but no, I, I don't know. Other than that, yeah. I mean, you can't build an imprint or like, that's not, no, that's yeah. not a mission statement for I an imprint. I wasn't sure if you were going to say like all involving superheroes. No, or I, I, I wouldn't do something like, be, yeah. you know, because my problem is I don't, I mean, you can look back on the 18 books I've published and I don't limit myself sure. that no, way. Of you know, not, yeah. I mean, Rick's makes perfect sense it totally because does. Rick is the mythology yeah, guy. So uh-huh. it makes, and that's what he's done. Yep. That's his career is mythology and, and good for him. So it makes perfect sense that yeah. he would take that and put a little twist on sure. it, put this cultural twist on it and put that out there. I, I don't like, there's no single thread that goes through all yeah. of my books. No, so I don't, not, yeah. I don't know what it would be. I mean, yeah. it would just be damn good writing. Hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would hope that that's what it would be. What about you? I mean, do you no, have I mean, any thoughts would, about it that? It would be like, it would certainly be lady centric. Yeah. Like, well. You know, I mean, I believe me, I would be shocked if it's like I want I want the next Mac Bolin's The Executioner, you know? Like, I don't even know what that you means. You don't even know what that means. It's got too much testosterone. <laughs> I have like a force field around me where when like Books testosterone are... tries to like breach my field. Men's like, adventure fiction just can't get through. The female body has a way of shutting that whole thing down. That is exactly That's right. exactly what it is. Men's adventure fiction. I think just, I died just, just listening cannot to that get, term. And westerns. Westerns oh can't get through either. Oh, God. West, oh. <laughs> you don't even know how to pronounce Louis L'Amour. No. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it's just something fun to think about. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk quickly about about being parents because Ooh, okay. our our kids are sick all the time, um, and then we're sick all the but time. But they're also sick, like in the um, colloquial way, like yeah. sick. 
They're so cool. Wow. You can't pull that off <laughs> at all. I'll put a link in the show notes for our listeners who don't understand the alternate meaning of sick. Um, our baby just turned one. Our baby. I mean, he's not even a baby anymore. Yeah. Like, I keep calling him a baby, but he really is It's really isn't. weird. I mean, like, it's such a cliche, but... The, like his first year in particular went, went really fast. So fast. I don't think our daughters. I mean, went I was fast. writing five books. So yeah, that's yeah. why. No, but I don't think our daughters went as fast. Like it did not feel as fast. As I mean, this it did. felt, and and the reason is it's second child syndrome. It second felt child. like we were every day marking her progress, yeah. so it went more slowly. Yeah. Whereas with him, it's like, you know, oh wait, has it been three months already? Yeah. Is it time to sleep train him? Great, let's sleep train. I mean, I also like. I say this a lot. I had such a fantastic maternity leave with him. Yeah. It was very hard going back. And, like, I don't know. It, it felt nice. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's so strange. I think part of it for you was that we had a house. It's totally that we had a house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so it was a little more relaxing. There was yeah. more room to breathe. Yeah. As I struggled opposed... with our small apartment. For the those apart... who don't know. Well, the um, apartment was tough because you were always on top of the baby. Yes. Yeah. And so we were walking around tiptoeing all the time. And guests and over was impossible. It was very difficult like, to have yeah. guests over. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, to have grandmas right, stay right, to help yeah. out. I right. mean, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Yeah. But, um, what a joy. He's he's one, and it's crazy. And and we had a, a Superman-themed birthday party, mm-hmm. which I feel the need to tell people was not my idea. No, it wasn't. Leia, like, one day we said to Leia, what kind of birthday party should we have for Luke? And she goes, Superman. He he wants a Superman party. My favorite thing is that she does pretend to translate for him. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, Mom, I think, I think he said that he is ready for dinner. <laughs> yep. Dear listeners, he does not yet speak, so. But, yeah. Um, no, but he is, he's making so much progress he's yeah. he's been walking for a couple of months which is yeah. crazy he's so he strong. runs around oh god if it, for those of you who strong. haven't read barry's one year look back on his blog oh. please do so i was sobbing in my office when i read it i'll put a link in the show notes yeah um but he you know he he is making a lot of noises he's trying to talk and he claps he does clap and it's just really fun like just today so we just switched him off of formula yeah and onto whole milk because now he's above one and you can do that and like he's transitioned to sippy cups and in a couple of weeks we're not going to have bottles anymore <sighs> and that's going to feel like like that's a huge milestone that's another thing that we've been talking about is the fact that we are beginning to shed baby, baby things. things for good permanently we're not having any more babies right guys. we're not having any more babies so you know certain you know like swings and 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 play pens and stuff like that that, that some of it we had when leia was yeah. born we're just getting rid of it now, and that's really it's weird. Really like, we got nice. rid of the bottle warmer. Yeah. <laughs> we got rid of the bottle. We don't need it anymore. We got rid of the bottle warmer, and we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's that's a milestone. It's very strange. It's very And it's also really neat looking at Leia and just overnight, again, seeing this incredible growth. She, and again, I was looking back at videos of the two of them when he was born, and I thought she was so grown up right. a year when, ago. Yeah. And she was such a little, uh-huh. she was so such little, yeah. and like, not, and she talked, but she wasn't, she didn't talk in sentences a lot. Uh-huh. And now, you know, she's like a teenager. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. so that's what's going on with our kids. Yes. They are yes. growing. They are, strangely enough, no matter what we do, they are But growing. I have to say, I, like, I'm one of those moms who, I, I truly love every stage of them. Yeah. But I love as I, I love them getting bigger. Like, I'm not mourning their babyhood. Right. It's very sweet, and I look back on it so fondly. But I'm not like, oh, my God, I, I just want them to stay 
babies forever. Right. I don't. I love yeah. I love their growth. I love the conversations. I, I remember with Leia, I, I was very distraught when she started getting teeth. I, I was too. Because and I was like, she's not a baby because anymore. I really love like that big gummy yeah, smile, yeah. you know, just that big open gummy smile. And with him, I looked forward to the teeth. Yeah, I'm like, look at the little teeth. Yeah. He's got little teeth. So it's, it, it's nice. It's nice. That's fun. So that is going to be it for us this week, folks. And we we really we're going to try. We're, 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 that's all we can do is promise yeah. to do our best. If you want guarantees. Tell all of your friends to listen. Get us up to like you know a hundred thousand listeners. We can start doing ads and make money, and then we'll guarantee this. But uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep making an effort. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please uh, follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. Oh, I forgot we had a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm in charge of that, and I totally forgot about it. Oh, <laughs> your social media maven, folks. Come to our website, writinginreallife.com. Leave us comments. Send us email. Give us ideas of what you want us to talk about. Comment on the shows. And uh, go to iTunes and give us stars. Many, many stars. We love them. We live for them. Thank you so much. And uh, we will be back. Soon. Hopefully. Soon. Yes. Let's not even give it a time. Let's just say soon. Thanks for listening. All relative, guys. (laughs) 